1: Live. Good morning. This is Denise Michaels along here with Bill Sims, CEO and President of AccentWire. Are you in Houston or Dallas? I'm in Houston. You're in Houston. Okay. Yes. You're, I have two clients in Houston now. That's cool. Anyway, <clears throat> and today is Friday, June 26, 2015. Welcome.
0: Well, thank you, Denise. appreciate it.
1: Yeah, well, this is where we stop trying to sound like radio people and just talk.
0: <laughs> okay, good. All right.
1: So, anyway, anyway, so you all ready for your trip?
0: Oh, we are. We're leaving tomorrow. Um, my daughter is going along with me. I um, every every year I, I try to take her over to the UK to. Um, yeah, I try to schedule the board meetings actually around her schedule, um, so I can take her along so we can have a daddy daughter trip.
1: Oh nice.
0: That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Now
1: is there is there a business purpose to the trip as well?
0: Yeah, we're buying a um one of the one of the larger competitors in the UK, um, next week's closing week. So um unfortunately for her I think she's gonna be drug along. We're flying in and out of London and spending some time on the front and back end, but during the week, I'm afraid she's going to be drug along to bankers and lawyers and accountants.
1: Well, what would she learn from that? She might not think think so right now, but she'll learn a lot from it.
0: Yeah, I think she'll learn a lot from it. I think, um, you know, frankly, I think my son, who's nine, um, Alex is 13, so, but my son actually has more interest in the company at times, so I think, you know, he he might. Pick up and enjoy you know the business aspects of it more than Alex
1: right but right. Yeah, well, she um
0: she likes she likes um the company she's grown up with the company you know and so she kind of enjoys you know at arm's length the company and and you know what we do cool,
1: cool, that's great, that's great so um today is going to be all about kind of like fine tuning your book topic, you know yes. what's sort of the direction that we want to go in with this. Okay, and then the other thing I want to talk about for the competitive analysis is a few of the books that you think are similar to the book that you have in your head and and in your mind you know so so that's that's where we're going today so okay. you told me that your dad starting this started this business um when did he start it?
0: You know my father started the company in nineteen eighty six
1: okay actually-
0: founded the company kind of. Late that year, and um, we started selling in 1987.
1: And when did you go to work for it?
0: You know, I joined the company back in 1996, so just less than 10 years after the company was was founded.
1: Right, right. And when we talked a few days ago, you had talked about university presses in terms of your publishing. Um, it was that University of Texas?
0: Uh, Texas A&M.
1: Texas A&M, okay. A, um, A&M stands for agricultural and something else.
0: Agricultural and mechanical. Mechanical, um, okay. Yeah.
1: So you can tell I don't live in Texas. but far, um, far, far, uh, and,
0: It's actually a land-grant farming school, which, um, you know, a lot of those land-grant schools had agricultural and, and engineering um, schools, and then, then the big state schools like UVA or um, – Alabama or University of Texas were more towards business and law.
1: Right. And what did you study back then? What did you major in?
0: I got a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. Oh. And I got a master's, I believe, five years later in in civil engineering, but really um, concentration was environmental engineering.
1: Okay, okay. Did I tell you I come from a long line of engineers? No, you didn't. Yeah, my dad was, you know, I mean, I grew up in Detroit, and back in the 60s and 70s, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting an engineer here or there.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> sure.
1: So my dad was an engineer. Both my grandfathers were engineers. Uh, my, um couple of my uncles were engineers. And yet, they never worked for the big three automotive companies. They always worked for companies that supplied parts and testing and different sure. stuff to the automotive companies. So. I, I get you that engineering mindset. So
0: you know, engineering's interesting. I I think um you know there are different kind of engineering schools. Um you know, I've got a friend who went to MIT and he's he's actually a good businessman, but um you know, I, I like the engineers and mechanical particularly, in my opinion, um that come from kind of these, you know, Texan M, Texas Tech, uh LSU, you know, those schools really, they take smart guys, but not real, you know, just geniuses and Mm -hmm. um, kind of mold them and give them a lot of, you know, problem-solving skills. Um, You know, it's a good background in math, um, but those two things are really a nice foundation for eventually, um, and frankly, I'm not sure it's not better than than getting a, a degree in accounting, to you know eventually founding and, and running businesses, because problem solving and, and math is a lot of what you know you know especially on startup that's a lot of the, the, the foundation of what you need it's, so I, I was very fortunate you know when I went into mechanical engineering um, i, I didn 't necessarily see business quote unquote in my future. I was more into engineering, um, but you know you didn't it was just,
1: see yourself following yourself into your dad's business.
0: No, it's funny. I, I, I never really wanted to do that. Um, I think, you know, my, my brother who, um, is now with our company who's joined, you know, a few years ago, um, I think always had more of a keen interest, frankly, in, in joining the company. Um, but just, you know, things, timing and things and places in your life worked out to where I, I joined in 96. And, um, Yeah.
1: Now, w- when did you graduate from college?
0: I graduated from A and M in 1990.
1: Okay. All right. And did you work as a mechanical engineer for that?
0: I, that I did. I um, my first job was with a company okay. that um, sent a. A tool down a borehole when drilling for oil, and it would measure um. You know various elements of the rock or the formation you were drilling through um and it'll also give you kind of information that you could pinpoint where you were underground and what direction the, the well bore was going so I, it was fun I was first job I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana and taking helicopters out to rigs um
1: That sounds like fun.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then I, I transferred with that company out to Ventura, California, which was even funner.
1: How that? <laughs> so you lived the California life for a little while.
0: I did. I lived um, one block off the beach, right above a sushi bar.
1: <laughs> okay, that's that's cool. That's cool. So what pulled you into business?
0: Into our business, accent.
1: Yeah, the family business.
0: You know, I was working after getting my master's in um, with a company that actually. Um, Worked at Department of Energy sites, essentially, um, you know, really nuclear weapon sites, helping to demolish, deconstruct, decommission some of the old facilities from the '50s. Uh huh. There was a lot of nuclear contamination, radiation, a lot of chemical contamination. It's actually where I met my wife, who's also an engineer, and I would, um, I'd been kind of stationed in on a site for a period of time. And um, you know, I'll be honest. We I was I was a little disillusioned with the company we were working for.
1: Disillusioned Um, is that what you
0: said? Yeah, yeah. I was a little disillusioned with the company we were working for, and so um, you know, I was I was looking at some other opportunities. And at the time, um, my father, at at the time, Accent was strictly a um distributor of wire. Mm -hmm. So we bought and sent product directly to customers or bought product, put it in warehouses and um sent it to customers. And um hang on just a second, let so me get these dogs out of here. We have we have a dog friendly office and they're um having a tussle. <laughs> so um there's a there's a in the back of any Walmart or any any of the casinos, any of the um, any grocery store, any department store um, is a small little baler in which a kid in the back is taking the boxes that all the products coming in that they're selling and breaking down the boxes and baling, and he's just hand tying off that bale.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's called a bale tie. Pretty inventive mm-hmm. um, My father at the time had bought a machine from Belgium. One machine. Um, to, um, you know, make that product. And, um, you know, asked me, uh, just kind of knew I was in a place to where I was looking for something and, um, asked me if I wanted to come in and, um, start that manufacturing business. And so I, I moved back to Houston. Um, I still remember it was making $2,000 a month.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, um, you know, it's interesting the machine, um, That machine from Belgium literally came with French instructions, and the guy who was um, making them had essentially kind of checked out, um, and so he didn't come to commission or anything. So I I remember buying a French to English technical dictionary and um, sitting on the floor of the plant and figuring out how to put it together and how to make it it run, and, you know, it's kind of a neat story because now um, we probably have 30 of those machines worldwide, from the U.K. to Montreal to Houston.
1: What shifted drastically for you from working for others, you know, after all living a block from the beach over a sushi bar, you know, to um, obviously I could see you were bored out in the field and I don't know what the things were that you were disillusioned about, but that doesn't matter so much as the fact that it created enough friction and unhappiness that you were open to changing and doing something different. So what was drastically different when you shifted from um, um, working from someone else to a more entrepreneurial?
0: That's a good question. You know, I, I my first job in the summer was, and I don't think you could do this today, but um, I would go, I learned how to do, I, I taught myself how to install irrigation systems. And so how to pipe everything and, and dig everything and hook up the electrics and all, all the and do the bowel manifolds when I was, I don't know, I was probably 18. And so I'd go along starting in May and put flyers on everybody's door about, you know, irrigation systems. So, um, I'd get a bunch of calls kind of towards the end of May. So I'd run out, kind of measure off yards, quote, quote, quote the systems and spend the whole summer, summer installing irrigation systems. Um, wow. and I like that because, you know, you, Controlled your own, you know, you're your own boss, quote unquote.
1: That so, so uh, your taste of entrepreneurism was at age 18. Uh,
0: yeah, it, for yeah, in the summers at, at yeah, when I was at home from college, that's what I did for two or three summers. Oh. And so, you know, that was kind of planted early. Um, you know, it's interesting because. The, the company is entrepreneurship. I mean, a father's the one who took the initial risk, I have to admit, um, for, to start Accent. Um, and, you know, when I joined Accent, you know, I was, you know, it was nice because I kind of had a division that make the manufacturing side that was kind of mine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I still felt like I had accountability to at least the family and to the whole company and to the people at the the company. So it it wasn't quite like hanging out a shingle. Um, But, you know, I mean, the whole company just bleeds entrepreneurs from, you know, the sales guys out in the field to, um, you know, because a lot of the guys we've hired, um, you know, at least the initial founding set of really skilled salespeople came on on full commission. So, um, you know. Better
1: be entrepreneurial, right?
0: That is, I mean, completely, so you hire a guy who um, works for a larger company who has, you know, a salary and a um, insurance and everything, and the offer is, you know, you come in, you um, try to transition your customers over to Accent. I mean, so, and if you're successful, you'll do financially better than you're doing now, but there's no guarantees. There's no insurance. There's no um, retirement. So I mean that to me that is entrepreneur on its own, and so we've got a bunch of people who i mean so it's it's interesting the whole company has a a value system or a spirit of entrepreneurism that um is neat um based from on my results. standpoint what's that based, based down, on results oh. that's a, that's a good comment um oh,
1: yeah okay good. From, from my me? Me? Oh, go ahead i'm sorry
0: from my standpoint i mean um You know, I I feel more entrepreneurial today, frankly, than I probably did when I started the company. Um, I mean, when I joined the company. Just because now, I mean, um, you know, we're buying this company over in the U.K., right?
1: Yeah, it's a big deal.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, the the U.K. has been a startup, a greenfield startup. So we started from nowhere, and and now, um, you know, we're – we're a large player in the UK. Once, once we do this deal, we'll be the largest supplier in the UK. But, you know, it's, you got, you know, I'm, I'm running around, you know, selling off stocks and everything, um, to, you know, be able to fund this. And, you know, for me, entrepreneurism is, you know, it's, it's, it's frankly risky. Um, it's, um, you know, and our sales guys took risks when they left, um, companies that had you know guaranteed x and you know for the promise of something else um but yeah it's 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 interesting i i I almost feel more entrepreneurial as i've gone throughout my trajectory at accent than than even when i first joined accent because you know like i said i was i was starting that manufacturing division and my father is very hands-off and it's a it's a in most ways it's a good trade um and so, you know, I was kind of I was kind of free to grow that business to where it wherever it ended up going. Um
1: So, did you grow up with learning entrepreneurial lessons from your dad, you know, long before you um you got into the business?
0: I think, you know, it's funny. I, I can't remember, but I actually think the suggestion of starting the sprinkler system was my father's. He didn't help me do anything. Um but I think it was a suggestion, sure, and um
1: that's that's a pretty technical thing to tell a kid rather than like mow lawns or clean pools or something
0: you Well, know, yeah I, I think uh, if I recall he let us he let me practice on on our yard for the first time,
1: <laughs> okay, that's I'm great,
0: sure he, I'm sure you got a deal though
1: <laughs> right, right, so um. What would you say you want readers to walk away with after they read your book? What do you want uh, them to know?
0: That's a good question. Um,
1: You'll find I'm, I ask a lot of those. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm I'm back and forth on that because this is all kind of a little new to me. So, you know, I, forgive me if I don't, and may, that may kind of it may crystallize. I'm going to guide
1: of, you but, through this, but I want yeah. your thoughts first. You know, two
0: two things. Um, one entrepreneurship, I mean, you know, I've been really lucky. I mean, I've, I've, last night I was—I um, didn't win, but I was one of the finalists for Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year in the Gulf Coast region here. So we had a big gala. Um, you know, I've A I've, and M has—you know—named me as one of the top hundred, twice top ten um, entrepreneurs graduates they've got. Um, but it's to me, it's it's. Um, I think today's world is is the majority of jobs being created are you I was reading it yesterday um I think of the 200,000 jobs created last month 35,000 or some were from the big companies Exxon you know so they're
1: like true professional type jobs
0: yeah so the rest rest are being generated by you know people um so I'd, I'd like to I'd like to have a, a spark of interest and enthusiasm around entrepreneurship and just the fact that you can control your own destiny and just how exciting it is. I want to I would love the book to kind of walk through some of the basics that I've had to learn. Meaning, um, of course, some some of the values around running a company. I think um, you know I, I think vendors and. I'm, vendors to me are as important it sounds funny cuz you know there's there probably should be a there should be a chapter on customers obviously and that should be very customer centric obviously sure. but something a lot of people don't realize is vendors are just as important as customers because if you lose one of your key vendors you lose the ability to service 100 customers or 1000 customers mm-hmm. and so stuff like that i mean you know i'm an engineer so i had my my bookcase groans with the weight of all these you know MBA and 10 minute books. And, but I've had to figure all that out on my own. Um, and I've kind of at least come to the opinion on what are, what's important to know and what's not. And, you know, I, I think I'd like to touch on that. Um, you know, so I, I'd what like you, to, what
1: you're telling me is treat people right.
0: Well, yeah, you, you're, well, that, that's kind of a, a value or culture for, I think our company. Um, I mean, we're very fortunate to have, I mean, You know, it's – I think some of our competitors would consider us quote-unquote corporate raiders for sales talent. And I don't think that's a fair comment. I think Accent's always been out here as, as, you know, I kind of consider it in our small little micro niche industry kind of a light on a hill in that we treat people, really give them the opportunity to succeed or fail on their own. We give them guidance. We give them structure. We give them policies around the company. But, um, you know i' when I hire a salesperson, there's very seldom going to be a sales manager sitting over them saying, "You need to do this, that, the other." Um, and I can't remember I've, I've got it somewhere, but Jack Welch had a genius um, quote on that. Um, you know something like if you if you hire the right person um, incentivize them financially and give them the opportunity and turn them loose, there's very little need for you know management, and that's the exact story of, of, of our, our, um, our, hey, Dad. Hang on. yeah, hang on just a second, Denise. Okay. I think, no. You more, just, more dog action? Yeah, mom had to sign it, and I stamped her name on it. If the dogs are not running around, we can leave that open. They were just making a bunch of, they were making, okay, all right, they were making a bunch of racket. Um... <laughs>
1: So – but but when I say treat people right, that doesn't mean you have to treat your competitors right. It means the people that you are beholden to, you honor your promises, you do what you say you're going to do. Well, you
0: know, and that's, that's like what I mean by – when I say – yeah, when I say competitors would think – I mean, we treat – I hope we treat our employees right. Um, we've won, you know, top workplaces in Houston a couple times. Um, but, you know, and that's what I, I think people – when, you know, I – it was great salespeople at other companies looking over thinking, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be over there. Um, I don't want to be where I am, and I want to take the risk of being over there, which, you know, like I said, we rewarded those guys who took that chance. Um, I think, I mean, again, naturally you t- treat your customers right. If if, you're, if you don't do that, I mean, I, I don't want to – If you somehow, don't do
1: you know, that, you're not in business.
0: Yeah, you're, you're not, not – so, I mean, it, it's, just, it's such a basic that, you know, it, it, I'm not sure it's – you know, obviously you want to touch on it in the book. Maybe you want to cover a chapter on it, but but it's so fundamental. that. But vendors are, like I said, equally, I mean, every deal or every price you strike with them can't drive them to the killing floor. I mean, you know, a lot of these...
1: Would you say, Bill, that you have created an environment of loyalty among your vendors and your employees and your subcontractors?
0: Oh, no doubt. Um, I mean, we have... We have numerous agreements that um, vendors have signed up to where they won't sell a certain product to anybody else in a region or a country, um, but Accent can buy that product from anyone else. I mean, so a one-way exclusivity, it's, it's an amazing thing, but you know, we don't take advantage of that. Um, I, I, I have very, very little turnover um, from the sales organization. Um primarily. Right. And I, I I'm a you know, one of the things we we advocate here, um, is um, you know, sales drives everything. I mean we we kinda it's a little wacky. Not no wacky, we kinda push sales forward first. I mean I like hiring top sales talent. I like pushing ahead in markets and then having everything else kinda catch up. Um
1: But but that means you hire the people who are motivated by that.
0: And the best sales talent to me, to me, I love. You know, it's kind of a cliche: surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And, but it's true. I mean, we, I mean, all the sales guys we have can do that job so far much better than I could ever dream of doing it. I mean, it's it's you know, and they're just they're spectacular. And so, and we reward them for that. Um, but I mean, again, a, a lot of those. And now, I mean, you know, there's just anybody who. And there's a few people. It's interesting. There's a few people that um, we'd kind of talked to who it's about joining Accent. You know, whether it be ten years ago or fifteen years ago or five years ago, who didn't. And I, tr- you know, I-, I truly believe it was the mistake of their career. And um, you know, because you know, there's just there's very Definitely. few companies.
1: The, the mistake of their career that they didn't go with you or
0: that they yeah, did go yeah, with you or that, that they didn't go with us. I mean, there's ah. a few people who just made, I mean, that's, that's how I think exciting our company is. And it's, it's exciting because you, um, like I said, you, you've got, you've got people who are, um, kind of dictating and setting their own success. I mean, eventually, I mean, we're not, you know we're running a business, and if a person you know we've hired a number of people who frankly just probably were probably very talented salespeople but needed a manager telling them what to do every week okay all and right so so kind of a non entrepreneurial person and you know
1: self directed
0: and they failed here um and it was it's no commentary on them, but certainly no commentary on accent, but it just wasn't a good fit and so now I'm really careful when i talk to salespeople about their ability to, um, like you said, self-direct or, um, you know, self-start uh, to be able to manage their time. Because a lot of our sales guys are working in at-home offices or, or one or two person offices um, in places around the country, and the world. And, and, you know, you got to take a certain amount of discipline, but you know, the reward, and like I said, that's very entrepreneurial.
1: Right. Right. So since you weren't in, <clears throat> Excuse me. Since you weren't involved in the startup of the business, um, do we want to make our niche market startups or people who are already in the business and they want to go to the next level, or how do you? you know, do you have any think, thoughts on that?
0: I think new companies and people can, cons- because you know, it's it's one of those funny things. Is um, in addition to making it how rewarding and exciting entrepreneurism is there is a, there is a there is a watchword in that if something ever went wrong with this company I'm I'm financially ruined um and you know it's funny cuz a lot of the people out, got
1: a lot of skin in the game Well,
0: everybody who if you do it right you kind of should and and right is defined as um you know when you start up, you know, they say nine out of 10, some number. I mean, if we want to put it in the book, we can get the actual number. Nine out of 10 startups fail. Um, right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's an interesting statistic, but behind that statistic, something, if the person who failed did it right, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a sad story because they, they probably put in money, um, maybe a lot of money, maybe all their money, um, should have worked 60 70 80 hours a week for the first 3 years without really taking vacations. I mean, and that had an effect on family, marriage, um stress level, and then it failed. And so um you know, I the kind of the introductory part I think is like I said I think it'd be interesting to talk about all the rewards and how today's environment I think is even is better than ever for entrepreneurs to succeed. But why
1: you
0: know, do you think that so? I think I think companies essentially the larger companies there's just there's if there's a very different company employee contract or perceived contract when I say contract I just mean you know the agreement the perceived agree, agreement you know the the between you know you just very seldom find people who um at a company for 30 years anymore. I think yes. companies are a little yes. bit more um, less dedicated to their employees, um, which I think is a sad statement. Um, and I think employees, in turn, are less dedicated to their companies. Um, and so, one, that the element of I'm going to go work for, to use your example, um, General Motors in Detroit, and you know, I'm hoping you know at, at 25, I'm going to retire there. That those days are over.
1: Yeah, um, that was that was the expectation as I was growing up.
0: Exactly. So. And so, given that, I also think in today's world, there's just, I mean, there's, I mean, particularly with the internet, and I'm not uh, this it's, it's something that probably should be touched in the book, and I'm not gonna, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know how we, but, um, I think there are a lot of opportunities and you, you use the example with a book to get to markets um that circumvent traditional distribution channels um that you know you can you can you can have a good idea or you can market a good idea or you can do both and um you know find yourself a little bit of business pretty quickly i don't want the book to be I, i'm not really sure i'm talking to um Let's say my wife stays at home with the kids and if she just wanted to um you know, run a little eBay business. hmm I'm I'm not sure it's really all that. Yeah, I mean you can you can do that and that's kind of part timing. It's more of a hobby type of thing. I I think some people do it for long term, but um or full time, but um that's I mean, um so the book I think that it would make sense to talk to is, you know, startups and new new businesses. Um
1: There are kinda, new there are new distribution systems for goods and services that we didn't even imagine 20 years ago, you know, and it's not all about the Internet, although that's the immediate thought, you know, like Amazon is less than 20 years old, you know, and look how that's changed things, and it's like every year we get the statistics closer to Christmas time about how the shopping centers are doing less business and online is doing more. But even if you don't even consider online, look at like the world of network marketing. That's a totally different sales and distribution model that, yeah, it was there 20 years ago, but it's absolutely exploded the last two decades.
0: It's completely different. I mean, and you know, it's, it's interesting. We have a little company, and it's mainly a company my brother runs, called Profound Staffing. It's a staffing company. It does well. I mean, it could probably do better, frankly. We're, we're a little constrained by one of the managers who, whatever. But it's, I mean, 15, 20 years ago, there were probably three or four or five companies that controlled staffing. Um, you know, finding, finding, placing people, and then finding people and placing people, and maybe doing it by, you know, you you charge the company $15 an hour, and you're paying the employee ten dollars an hour, or sixty dollars an hour, and you're paying the employee fifty dollars an hour. Um, we do that, contract placements, and uh, just headhunting, quote unquote. I mean, the number of people who are doing that—I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I mean, that's that's an example of of just you know the opportunities are just. I mean, all of them are just. It's it's a great environment in today's world, and I, I you know, I,
1: but for that to be for that environment to be there. And, like, I know people who, like, I I used to have a friend when I lived in San Diego, and she was a former registered nurse with a master's degree. And what she did is she was, she had her own little thing out of her home base office helping hire um, nurses and doctors for hospitals, you know. And that wouldn't be possible without the Internet Without cheap long distance, right? I mean she rarely met these people in person, and without those big hiring companies you were talking about falling asleep at the switch in some way, shape, or form
0: that's exactly right the David and Goliath scenario um yeah that's a, that's a very good i mean and your your comment there is excellent i mean um the a lot of the barriers to running a business today are really i mean. I mean, I'm not even. Sh- I mean, long distance charges. It doesn't even enter into anybody's mind. I mean, I I used to remember, um, my, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, you'd you'd call ring twice on a collect call and then have your parents call you back because it was cheaper.
1: Right. No, nobody, <laughs> right.
0: I mean, it just you know you can you can get instant access to you know clients through LinkedIn. You get a, a instant access to their customers through the internet. And I mean, it just it's. It's it's really um, leveled. I mean, and stock selling, you know, investing's the same way. I mean, the whole level, field's been kind of leveled. Um, it's kind of a populist movement, and it's that makes it ripe for engineering. I'm sorry, entrepreneurship. You uh, know, I, I think the United States is a tremendous place um, for that. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm a huge. You know, I, I think the United States is going to do very well in the entrepreneurship arena for the next 30 years. But you know, we've done a startup in the UK, and it's been incredibly successful. We've hired a salesperson in Germany on the same model as um, some of our other salespeople here, and he's done spectacularly. So I mean, you know, a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the rules and just principles that um, you know I, I think we've tried to promulgate. I mean, works anywhere.
1: Uh, It sounds like a lot of what you're saying, you know, in addition to just some good old-fashioned, you know, golden rule kind of values, like treat people right, including your customers, your vendors, and your employees, and things of that nature, but you're also saying embrace change. You know, don't be afraid of it. Look for the opportunity in it.
0: I mean, you know, embracing change, I think, um, we've introduced some disruptions in our business. Um, one of our key products we sell is baling wire, <coughs> and there's a, um, there's a little bit of a move towards using poly-soil plastic strap instead of a baling wire around, um, the bun- the I don't know if you know this, but it's interesting. The, the trash and waste is the United States' number one export.
1: Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Um, you'd think soybeans or aircraft, but that's that's the U.S. number one export. And so every ton of that is is crushed and volume reduced, and then our wire goes around it. So, But there's a little bit of a move around putting plastic around it um, instead. So it requires different consumables and different machines to apply that. A lot of our competitors, accents a distributor, like I said, um, a lot of our competitors are wire mills, and so if I'm a wire mill and I've got $200 million or $20 million of, of assets on the ground dedicated to making wire, that movement terrifies me. Mm-hmm. As a distributor, I could care less. I'd just assume soon sell the plastics of the wire. Um, and so, you know, it, it's – you've got to embrace change. You've also got to be nimble enough to get in front of that change and, and you know, be able to take advantage of it. Um,
1: so be its master rather than the other way around.
0: Yeah. Um, I have, you know, it, all businesses change. I mean, change is, is you know, if you're – the one thing I've noticed in um, – with just with this company. It's funny, you know. People get frustrated when there are problems, and you know, it's nice to have things run well. But um, I mean, my god, love her, my thirteen-year-old daughter could run the company if there was no problems, and if there was never any change. I mean, it's change and actually crises that that generate opportunities. I think. Um,
1: yeah, sure.
0: And so sure. it's I don't know. It's it's just. Um, you know, I hadn't thought about embracing change that as much because, you know, I, I've always – but, yeah, I mean, our our, our business is a little – the industry we service is a little um, – it's a little bit, bit of a mature business. I mean, so there's not a whole lot, but there is some change. Um, and we've we've introduced a lot of disruptive technologies into it, um, and so, you know, we've kind of been the catalyst of change in some of the places. So, And, so and all that Tom's is to put temper- you at a competitive advantage. Um, to get in front of the change or to actually make the change.
1: So the product hasn't changed a whole lot, but the way you're delivering it, the way you're growing, your strategies for doing the things you're doing are constantly adapting with the opportunities that are out there.
0: Yeah, that's a good comment, yes.
1: Okay, okay, good. Good. okay, you know, I'm getting some ideas, the direction where you want this business to go. And, you know, um, are you familiar with an author named Michael Gerber? He wrote the e-myth. It was like a series of books. The idea was the e-myth represents the entrepreneurial myth. And it was this idea that, you know, people start this idea start a business because they're working for someone and they go, wait a minute, I could do this better and I could make more money at it and then they get so caught up in the day-to-day of everything that they're not looking at having that vision and guiding and directing the company towards its growth, you know, and he says you want to be working on your business, not in your business, you know, so you're really taking that to the next level almost on steroids. You know, I talking. try.
0: I mean there there are times when I'm you know, I mean other dudes as assigned, I was the, unclogging the unplugging the toilet yesterday but um I mean you know <laughs> it's, it's, I mean you know that is an interesting comment about people who decide they um and I do think um I mean it's another warning I think to people. I mean, you know, do what you love, follow your path. I think I think for the majority of people that's Bullshit. I mean, I, th- yeah, I think I
1: know. You, you, <laughs> you know. You have to find I, a way to monetize it. You know exactly.
0: I'd love to be a fly fishing guide and make five hundred thousand dollars a year, but um, you know, one a fly fishing guide, it's a lot of work. I <laughs> mean, and you know, it's right. just so you. I mean, you can be passionate about growing a business. You can be passionate about the challenge. You can be passionate about making money. You can be passionate about a lot of different things. But there are very, very few and very lucky people who actually are able to grow a business into something real substantial outside of a hobby and Mm -hmm. have it be something they um they are just completely in love with and passionate about um and there's people out there who've done it and i'm just they're really lucky people i'm not jealous but envious of them and i'm you know it's great but you know there's i'm passionate about a lot of the stuff around accent i'm passionate about the people and the You know the product and working in a family business and you know seeing it grow, but you know baling wire, wire going around trash, or you know we sell a lot of nails. So nails, I mean, it's it's a great product. That in in and
1: of itself is not real sexy. Exactly, and I think the other pieces are.
0: And I think I think I think those comments of follow your passion or love what you do. I mean, I think it steers people in in a direction that's not good, frankly, for, I mean, you got to be a realist on when you're looking at starting a business. Um, and like I said, I mean, I'd love to be a fly fishing guide or, you know.
1: <laughs> right, or, right.
0: You know, just right. start.
1: I, I want to shift the topic a little bit. And, and, and I think that's a, a dose of reality that's very important because a lot of people think if they keep doing it and keep doing it, they'll, you know, suddenly, you know, manna will drop from the heavens or something like that, you know. And it's you're you're absolutely right. It's bullshit. But anyway, I want to shift the topic a little bit to books that you think are similar to what you would like your book to be in some way, shape, or form. Can you think of any?
0: You know, one of my you know one of my favorite books is Good to Great by Jim Collins.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But
0: that was that was a different um that was more of a business professor taking a book and um I I what
1: what would you say would be similar to the book that you have in your mind and what would you say would be different?
0: To Good to Great? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I think one of the things that you know, you know, I think some people disagree now and, you know, maybe the methodology of choosing the companies, and the comparison companies was, was, you know, maybe more short, you know, short than long, whatever. But his commentary on um, level five leaders is tremendous. My father was a level five leader. I, I, I frankly, you know, in which you're a completely selfless leader in which you're trying to um, – you know, criticism is mirror, praise through a window, that type of stuff. Um, I mean, but he goes into much more deep. I mean, to me, that was the best takeaway from that book. But it was, a, it, was it was outstanding stuff, um, and it's stuff that we try to incorporate. I think I think Jack Welch's winning is a fabulous book. I mean, um,
1: let's stick with let's stick with Good to Great for a minute. Yep. What do you think that your will do different or better from Good to Great?
0: Good or better, you know. I I like the level five discussion. We're,
1: we're differentiating a little bit here, so.
0: I'm I'm I just grabbed it and kind of looking through it because I haven't read it in a few years. Um.
1: You like the level five leadership.
0: I like the level five leadership. I think it's tremendous. I think that he had something in which um. They talk about um. You know, coming up with a great aha. I think was his phrase, or, you know, hedgehog confronting brutal facts. I think that's – I'm not sure if that's entrepreneurial, but maybe it is. I mean, as I'm going through this, you know, it's something I'm not sure I can do.
1: Or is there there something where – you feel he kind of missed the mark. Like, one of the things that you said just a couple minutes ago is you said he's sort of a business professor. Do you think he's maybe a little bit detached from entrepreneurship in oh, a way sure that, you know, you've got sure the hands on? And, they, well, I mean,
0: just a criticism on that book, I mean, what he did was he took, um, you know, he took stock prices at one point and measured them out 15 years. And the ones that have, you know, increased five times were quote-unquote his good companies and the one that had stayed similar like like, I can't remember the, the pharmacies but if Eckerd's or CVS had increased five times over 15 years and um what's another pharmacy say Eckerd's was flat during that period of time he would compare the two and there was a lot of good comparisons that came out of there but I just I think the public stock price is you know um And, you know, some of those companies that really got considered good have fallen back to earth on their stocks and and recent books published. So, I mean, so there's some arguments about the methodology, but, um, you know, what he drew drew out of just the comparisons were fabulous. Um, So what he did in that book was he took um, a best practice of a company that he defined as good and compared it to the practices of companies that had flat stock prices, which he – and generally try to figure out when they made the breakthrough from being just a normal company to "quote unquote" great. Um, it's
1: kind of a kind of compare and contrast, and with yeah. case studies.
0: That's exactly what he did, and it, right. I mean, and then teased out principles. Um, like I said, the level five leadership, the. Um, Confront brutal realities of you know th- you know with teams and go through things and work them through and then come up with your what he called I think fire called the great aha quote unquote you know what what's the most and we do that a lot I mean we call it KPIs there's a lot of you know jingoism around KPIs but we try to draw we try to find one thing that's measurable that's the most important thing for um, and this may have come a little bit out of good to great that's the most important thing for any business we're running. Or business unit or plant, and that we we you know I love Peter Drucker's comment: What gets measured gets managed. So we we follow that one number religiously, fanatically, and um and it, you know that so that kind of came out of um and I like KPI theory, and I think it's something I'd like to talk a little bit about in the book because um, okay. I, okay. I I, well, I really do like with, you know I'm an engineer. Me with, you mentioned
1: Jack Welch.
0: Uh, winning is a great book. Um one of the best things about that book, and I think I loaned it to somebody, um so I don't think I have it with me here. But um I mean that's just that's a great book, top bottom. I mean he uses um there's various ways people use um do strategy sessions. One of them's called a SWOT analysis.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats.
0: Exactly, I think Jack Welch has something called what he calls the five slides, which is a um, competitive analysis and kind of a self-assessment, which is so spirit of SWOT analysis. And we use it in our team team meetings when we're doing a deep dive on a department. I mean, that was good. You know, it's just not coming to me right now because, like I said, I don't have the book in front of me. But um, I mean, that's that's a spectacular book. Um, is
1: and there I, like I, where you feel like Welch maybe? miss the mark or something that you're going to bring to your readers that they need that he missed
0: it's a little different scale of book i think um, i mean our the reader reading a book like mine kind of with a target audience isn't going to have the benefit of you know the, the the superlative ge training that they had i mean so kind of what i'd like to do is kind of you know, at least for 25% is kind of take some of the, take some of the stuff that I've had to figure out for, you know, and like I said, I'm sitting here as I'm standing up, as we're talking, I'm pulling one book or after another off the shelf. I mean, I've got probably sure. 20 books I've had to go through to kind of at least come to what my principles are um, in kind of simplifying running businesses and what are the most important things that, you know, Banks you know that keep your funding alive with the bank um, what's the most important things about um, you know there's just with these accounting systems down with excel there, there's so much information that you can and it's it's almost it can be overwhelming and so how to how to extract you know what, what should be your key so i I think Jack Welch talked on a little bit on that, but you know, like i said I, I think I think all these books kind of miss the the fundamentals that somebody who did not have finance, I mean, you know, it's stuff that probably would be review for a guy. That, but, you know, it's interesting. I, um,
1: so so it sounds like what you're saying is that they started with a Learjet and you're going to teach your readers how to ramp up with a really good bicycle.
0: Yeah, or a Goliath or yeah. Cessna or, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think,
1: or at least a compact car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? I, I think,
0: um yeah, I mean, a lot of the people, I mean, you know, if you're an engineer, I mean, um, it's funny. If you do a survey of mechanical engineers at Texas A&M at least, of all the ones that want to go back, go out and do um. postgraduate studies, something like 70% of them want to get an MBA. So even technical guys want to get into business. But – those guys that graduated there have not had a single exposure to anything. They've got great mathematical skills, but they've got no exposure whatsoever to a p and a balance sheet. It's a fascinating thing. If you ask um, a lot of people, our company is $120 million um, in sales. A lot of people say, um, you know, if somehow that number comes out, it's not something I broadcast, but... Um, if that number comes out, if, later if you ask them, what do they make? They'll say $120 million. You don't make $120 million. You're selling $120 million. I mean, and I see that just, that basic misunderstanding. <laughs> basic um,
1: law. yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: it's the it's crazy.
1: Sales and profit, so.
0: But any, any, and and then beyond that, balance sheets and cash flow statements, because, you know, the old saying, cash, is, it's critical. I mean, you know, it's it's very funny. I mean, People I, I said I was sitting down with one of our VPs just to understand the element of our business, we make twenty percent gross margin and you know, really thin even does because we're distributing. If you um if our company at our current rate grows um from one hundred twenty to one hundred and fifty million dollars and um at our current Pace in which the customers pay the bills, the DSOs, the um, AP, the inventory. If our customer grows from 120 to 150 million dollars, it will make an extra million dollars or 1.2 million dollars to, to do that, um, which is great. Um, but you got to borrow. Um, no. If you stay at the same, you've You got to borrow four million dollars for that, and people keep, people don't realize. Okay, if you're going to grow 30 million, if you're going to grow 20, 20 30, 50, 25%. And all the things stay the same. You're going to make a million. You're going to have to borrow four million to make that million. And
1: yeah. okay.
0: that can be defined in something okay. kind of simple. But somebody starting a business needs to understand um, basics. That type of stuff. Um, and you know, if, okay, if you if you change your inventory turns down, what, what does that mean? How does that affect it? Um, and you, you your eyes get crossed in some of these books and just going into the the deep deep analysis. And uh, there is a there's a great way to simplify it, and we've right. done a good I job. So, go,
1: I want to go back to books. We're almost done for today. Is um, is anything like um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of highly effective? Ab- people absolutely. Yeah.
0: Happen. I mean, I I okay. actually touched that one as we were talking. I mean, um,
1: yeah.
0: I think um, we use. I mean, <laughs> I just did the. Um, we just had a KPI meeting, quote unquote, on Wednesday, and actually printed out his four quadrants um okay. you know how
1: did you know that a ghost writer wrote that book
0: is right? i did not know that um I
1: met, I met her stephen covey i met her um her name was peggy something i can't remember her last name but he wrote down seven ideas on a legal pad and handed it over to her and said let me know if you have questions i want to turn this into a book you know <laughs>
0: Well, you know, it's interesting as I'm sitting here reading through this, um, I mean, <clears throat> some of these are more for you know, longer term planning lifestyle slash business, but begin with the end in mind that, that, you know, we're, we're currently, um, I've got an initiative called 200 by 20 to get to 200 million by 2020, um, it's not just sales growth; it's the double the EBITDA percentage by uh, 2020, and so that's the end. So everything we do is guided towards that. But I mean, anytime you go into a meeting with somebody, you got to know what you what the end is, right? And right. so right. you begin right. with the end in mind. Um, I mean, think win-win. That's his other. I mean, the putting first things first, which is that chapter on the. Um, the four quadrants, I mean, yeah, I mean the seven habits is is still very um relevant i I you know it's it's a little dated, but um I think there's just some timeless stuff in there. It's great um,
1: good, good, good well, this has been a good conversation. I've got more ideas as we're ca- I'm kind of shaping this and starting to pull it pull it together while you take off. Um, you're going to London tomorrow, when do you get home from your trip?
0: Get back the following Sunday.
1: Okay. And then when do you leave for, I think you said you were going to Alaska?
0: I think that following Friday.
1: The following Friday. Okay. Yep. Is there any time in that week when you're um, home that we could uh, do another hour? And what we're going to do, uh, Bill, is we're going to start drilling down and getting a lot more specific. Today was about getting a lot of stuff on the table.
0: Let me um, take a look that would be the week
1: after 4th of July
0: yeah to be honest with you um, that week is kind of open um same time same place work fine or we can okay do
1: it same that time same that station
0: yep <laughs> okay Perfect.
1: all right so that's friday july 10th at um 10am your time in houston oh one thing i wanted to say to you that just popped into my brain i told you i have another client in houston um i'm this person i'm not ghostwriting a book i'm just kind of coaching her as she's writing the book but it's about successful business leaders in houston and she's interviewing them she has one more interview to go which is with southern methodist hospital you know? Anyway, I have no idea if she would be open to this idea or not because her idea was to interview eight business owners and Southern Methodist Hospital is the last one. Would that be something you might be interested in doing because that yeah, would get your name out before your book, you know?
0: Yeah, if it helps her and if it, uh, absolutely, love we'll to. It might,
1: it might help you too, you know, yeah. because your name would be bandied about even more, you know. Absolutely. So let me let me send her an email and see if she's open to it. It's possible she might say, you know, Denise, I really appreciate the thought, but I'm really solid on just these eight businesses. Um, you know, then I'll then it just is what it is, you know. So yeah, anyway, if, okay. If, All if right. If she cool. needs,
0: needs another one or wants to replace one, I mean, happy to do it.
1: Okay, cool, cool. I appreciate that. All right, so we're set for... Um, July the 10th, which is two weeks from today at 10 o'clock your time. And thank you very much. Have safe flight across the big pond.
0: Well, thank you, and And you have a nice weekend, all right?
1: I will, and I'll talk to you in a couple weeks.
0: All right, bye.
1: Okay, take care. Bye-bye.